0: Father, you are the one true God. You are the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. Father, you are love and holiness and perfection and grace and mercy. And all these things, Father, you offer to us as a gift. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, Not because we're better looking than the other churches in town, but just because you love us. Father, I pray as we seek you in your word this morning that we would see all of it. That we would see your holiness and your righteousness and your goodness. And we would also see your love and your grace and your mercy. And We come to you, Lord, on the basis of your mercy, because there's no other way we can come. Be glorified, I pray, in our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6, verse 39. And he spoke a parable to them Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank? I like the translations that say log, personally. Um, But you do not see the plank that is in your brother's eye. Or how can you say to your brother, Oh, I got that backwards, didn't I? The speck in your brother's eye, you don't see the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will clearly see to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks was actually reading uh, last night. I was in Mark chapter 7 uh, in my evening Bible time. Was it Mark 7? I'm going to go with that. Um, you can look it up and tell me if I'm wrong. It may have been Mark 6. but uh, And Jesus was talking about uh, the Pharisees were all upset. And you remember this scene um, where the Pharisees get all upset at Jesus and say, Why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? Right? And it wasn't that they weren't washing their hands. My wife said I was right. It's Mark 7. Shevin, Mark Shevin. Um, They had this special traditional way of washing their hands that was just way over the top. And Jesus looks at them and said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles. It's what comes out. And so later on, his disciples said, you know, Lord, explain this to us. And he looks at them and he goes, do you still not understand? Um, He goes, "What, what goes into you goes into your stomach and is eliminated. How can that defile you? But it's what comes out of your heart. And then there's a list of sins that he has there. Um, Drunkenness, sexual immorality, and a bunch of other stuff. And that is what this says too. It's out of the abundance of the heart that your mouth speaks. What is inside will find its way out. Last week we began this message... By looking at the blind leading the blind, becoming like our master, the whole speck and log eye conundrum, and however, we did not get to the topic of fruitfulness in our lives, and how fruit is the evidence in our lives that we are following Jesus. So we're going to have a quick recap of last week, and then we're going to finish the message. So we'll jump in. Number one is a recap of verses 39 through 41. So in the three verses we studied last week, we focused on the following. First, We talked about the blind leading the blind. And Jesus compared this to the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in Matthew 15, verses 13 and 14. And we looked at how blindness, particularly blindness to the truth of the gospel, is the devil's goal from 2 Corinthians 4.4. That's his desire. He wants us to be blind. He wants us to be blind to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of God's word in general. He wants us to be blind to his activity in the world. He wants us to be blind. But this is why we test all things, so that we are not blinded and we do not follow those who are blind guides. And we get that from 1 Thessalonians five twenty one and 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Next, we discussed how a disciple slash apprentice will be like their teacher slash master as they become perfectly trained or grow in maturity. We are transformed and conformed into the image of our Savior by the work of his spirit and word in our lives. Romans 8.29 and 2 Corinthians 3.18. Tell us about that. The result of this is that as we grow in maturity in our relationship with Jesus, we will live like he did. Loving others, being merciful towards others, committed to sharing and living the truth, and so forth. We will also experience what he experienced. That includes persecution and hatred from the world around us. We will not do this alone, as he will always be with us, giving us his all-sufficient grace and some great verses to help remind you of that John 15, 18 to 21, John 16, 33, Romans 8, 31 through 39, and 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. All of that should be in your notes, I hope. Finally, we talked about hypocrisy, huppocritas, being an actor under an assumed role or playing a part, putting forth anything that is inconsistent with who we are in Christ, is hypocrisy. This led to the idea of integrated wholeness from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, and how God wants to accomplish integrated wholeness in each of us through what we called the honest mirror. We look into the honest mirror by looking into the word, James one through 22-25, through spirit-directed self-reflection, Psalm 139, 23 through 24, and the mirror of other people who we love and trust and who we know love us. And that comes from James 5, 16, and then verses 19 through 20. We closed off with a discussion about the Johari window, which we're not going to get into here. Now, this is a very brief synopsis of what we talked about last week. If you missed last week, I would highly encourage you uh, go on our website or go on our Facebook page and have a listen to part one of this message because we got into all of that in much greater detail. That leads us back to verse 43 of Luke chapter 6. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit, For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Matthew 7, 16, Jesus told us that we and others will be known by our fruit. Fruit is the evidence in our lives of who we really are. Remember, what's on the inside is what will come out. You don't gather figs from thorns. you don't gather grapes from brambles. And there's a lot of other examples of that. I, I saw um, a video. I follow a whole bunch of stuff online, which I probably shouldn't. I mean, it's none of it's bad, it's just a lot. Uh, and this one is it's a christian meme site and they they played this little video of a youth pastor who decided to play a prank on his youth group so he went out and bought a bunch of brussels sprouts and then he put in the brussels sprouts the kind of stick that you put in a cake pop right then he dipped all the brussels sprouts in frosting and let it harden and so when the kids got there for youth group, right, he waited and he told everybody, oh, everybody, take a cake pop, it'll be great. And then they, you know, they showed the reactions of the kids. Because even if you like Brussels sprouts, which nobody should, right? if you like Brussels sprouts, make an appointment with me for counseling. I will help you get through this. I love you enough to help you get through this. Same goes for kale. Um, but, Uh, You know, so then they showed the kids' reactions because clearly what they thought they were getting was not what they got. That is a beautiful picture of hypocrisy. That's a beautiful picture of what's on the inside will come out, right? Because even though it looked good on the outside, and if I was there, once I discovered what was going on, I would have just eaten all the frosting around it because that's the kind of person I am. Um, But it couldn't stay hidden, could it? Eventually, it had to come out. It's no different for you and I. Two weeks ago, we talked about the principle of sowing and reaping. We did bring it up last week from Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Why do I always say we? You guys ever notice that I do that a lot? I go back and listen to my messages sometimes, and I I tend to fixate on a phrase or a word in every message. So if you ever catch me doing that, just come up and hit me. Um, the one that really bugs me, and I wonder if it bugs you too. You can raise your hands if it does, because I really try not to do this. I say right a lot. Anybody else notice that? Am I the only one? My wife. Everybody here loves me a little more than my wife right now. She's like, yeah? Right. Stop it. Right? <laughs> right? Uh, anyways, if I but I do. I fix on a word sometimes, and I don't like that. But we talked about the principle of sowing and reaping. And if we sow to the Spirit, we reap life. If we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction or death. What we reap from what we sow is the evidence in our lives. That's the fruit. How do you know you planted wheat? You go out in the field and guess what's going to come up? Wheat. What we sow is what we will reap. If we are followers of Christ, there will be evidence in our lives of this reality. If we are living for self, or following something or someone other than Christ, there will be evidence in our lives of that as well. So Jesus talks about good and evil treasure. So he illustrates this by showing us something that I've said several times already, that what is in our hearts will come out. If we have good in our hearts, and I'm not talking about, oh, I'm a good person and I do good things. No, if we have good in our hearts, like we have Jesus in our hearts, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, if we have the word of God hidden in our hearts, if that's what's inside of us, That's what will come out for the world to see. If we have evil in our hearts, like we don't have Jesus in our hearts, or we have sin in our heart, or hate, or unforgiveness, or bitterness, or anger, or selfishness, that is what will come out for the world to see. Remember when Jesus told the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow seed, right? And there were four, oh, there were four, (laughs) just said right. There were four types of receivers of the seed. Now, we're not going to get into that parable because we're going to get into it later in Luke. The fourth sower or fourth receiver of seed in Matthew 13, 23, it says this. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. When that's what's sown into our lives, that's the fruit that will come back out again. James 2.18 puts it this way. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Our works, I say it all the time, we're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2 8 and 9. However, when we are saved, when we are followers of and apprentices to Jesus, the evidence of our salvation will include good works. Right? Good works don't get us saved, they are the result, the fruit, as it were, of our salvation. Now, two weeks ago, we were taught in no uncertain terms that we are not to judge or condemn, right? We don't pronounce guilty and we don't carry out the sentence or punishment. That is not our place. However, we are also taught to look at the evidence, right? Maybe this is the evidence in another person's life. Maybe this is the evidence in a church or a ministry. Maybe this is the evidence in a business venture or a business partner or a romantic partner Or even if it's just a friend, you can look at the evidence in that person's life. And then you make a judgment call based on the discernment that God gives you through his word and his spirit about whether or not you should continue in that situation, relationship, whatever it is. And some people go, oh, you're being judgmental. That's not judgment. That's not condemnation. That's God-given discernment. It allows us to make sure we are not blinded and that we are not following the blind. It allows us to make sure, uh, I believe it was in 1 Corinthians somewhere, that bad company corrupts good character. I want to be a follower of Christ. I don't want to have influences in my life that would distract me from that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go into the world and share the gospel with non-believers, if we were to take that position, which Paul tells us not to do, but if we were to take that position, we would need us an off grid cabin up in the mountains somewhere, right? You couldn't go to Walmart. Maybe that's not so bad. Um, you, you couldn't go in public at all, ever. Right? Most of us couldn't do our jobs because you deal with people who are non believers. But we're there to share the gospel. However, We're not there so they can influence us. And that's what this discernment is for. And people get all bent out of shape. Oh, Christians are so judgmental. And some are. Don't get me wrong. And I can be, right? Nobody else has to admit it. I'll admit it for all of us. I can be judgmental. Reminds me of a great comment from a movie. Of course, right? had to be from a movie. And this character said, There's only two things I hate. People who are intolerant of other cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> the first we were watching that movie, it was the first time any of us had seen it, and we all just started cracking up, right? Sometimes we're that way. Oh, I'm a Christian. I love everybody except no, there's no exceptions. As followers of Christ, we are to love everybody. It doesn't change the fact I can love somebody without letting their influence distract me from my walk with Christ. That's not judgment. That's discernment. It leads to two questions, and it's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. First, how do we have good fruit? And second, what does good and or bad fruit look like? So I am kind of a produce novice right I like to eat apples and other things but if I go to the store very rarely could I tell you if you've ever seen it it's really funny I'll go to the store and I'm like well I want to buy an avocado and I can't remember how to tell if an avocado is ripe I google it I'll google it and my phone will be like oh yeah I still I actually can't tell you how do you know if an avocado is ripe is it it's firm exactly um (laughs) Right, I, I it's right. So I, I check the avocado. My mom, whenever my mom comes to visit us, she always wants fresh tomatoes. She loves tomatoes. I don't know how to tell you if a tomato's ripe. So we'll go to the store. I'm like, is that I don't know. And and so I'll Google it. How do you know if a tomato's good? Maybe I'll just call one of you and you can tell me. Um because I don't know. So we have to know what good fruit is. But we also have to know where it comes from. And that's where we're gonna start. How do we have good fruit? Ultimately, if we want to have good fruit in our lives, we need to know how that happens. Just like hypocrisy and looking into the honest mirror, there is a way that will help us understand what good fruit looks like and how we have it. I'm getting them out of order. And this is only going to happen by God's work in us and our decision to be part of that. So hopefully you have your Bible or you have your phone or some other way to read the word, we're going to turn over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You're already in Luke, so it's not a far uh, journey over to John chapter 15. Uh, It's on page 1348 in my Bible. If it's on a different page in your Bible, you may have the wrong Bible. Jill. But John chapter 15, and the reason I'm having you turn there is because we're going to read the first 11 verses. I am the vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. John chapter 15, verse 5. That's something we should all have memorized. Because if there's ever a time you wake up or you face a challenge, you're like, yes, I'm going to knuckle up. I'm going to get through this. You, You just watch me. Then you quote yourself, John chapter 15, verse 5. For without me, you can do nothing. I don't think Jesus would have said that to us if he didn't mean it. Because it doesn't say without me, you can do a lot of stuff. Or without me, you can't do the hard stuff. The word nothing, right? You all know how much I love Greek. It means nothing, right? I said right again. Someone needs to, so when I took speech class, I get so easily distracted. You guys should know that by now. When I took my speech class years ago, my, my teacher would sit in the back with a cup full of nickels. And he would drop a nickel in every time you used a vocal pause, which is what the word right is for me. And uh, it was very unnerving. Because your grade was based on how many nickels you had in the cup at the end of your speech. What's that? Yeah, clink. All right, so I need, I need someone to bring a coffee cup with some nickels. I'll get over this pretty quick. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Yes, there is much, much more to this chapter. I highly encourage you to spend a lot of time when you have a chance, or even if you don't have a chance, make the time to get into John chapter 15. It one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. So Jesus is the true vine. God is the vine dresser. Jesus is where the fruit comes from that the Father cultivates in us. That's what that means. Jesus is the source. God is the one who cultivates. And of course, he does this through his Holy Spirit and his word. Those with bad fruit are discarded, thrown into the fire those with good fruit are pruned. Anybody else enjoy that? I I actually wrote in my notes, not always fun, but necessary. It's necessary. If you don't prune your rose bushes, do beautiful roses come up? If you don't prune your fruit trees, what happens? They'll actually get overloaded and cause problems you have to prune and when you have fruit in your life you know we have an issue in our world um, where people want to be comfortable all right we got nice cushy chairs you get in bed at night and it's soft and you got a pillow and and you know you just the right amount of blankets you push your wife back to the other side because she's making you hot We love comfort. Not only do we love physical comfort, we love emotional comfort. We love spiritual comfort. We don't like not being comfortable in our culture. But the only way you grow is to get out of that. Comfort and growth are mutually exclusive. I'm not saying you have to live your entire life being uncomfortable. But if you are a follower of Christ and you want to grow in that relationship and you want to be the person God has called you to be and let Him do that work in and through your life, you will experience a lot of discomfort. I promise. And while it may not be pleasant at the time, it's worth it. Because when we're fruitful, Our gracious and loving Father will prune us so we can become more fruitful. Now, fruit is the result of abiding in Christ. Because without him, we can do nothing. We abide in Christ, according to this passage, as his word abides in us, as we pray and as we obey his commands, by the power of His Spirit. Now, next week in Luke chapter 6, we're going to talk about obedience. It's actually the title of next week's message. I shouldn't have told you that. You're all going to stay home now. You should be here. I think it'll be important and good for all of us. But next week we're going to talk about obedience. So I don't want to dwell on that now, but according to this passage in first, first John, in John 15... Abiding in Christ comes from his word abiding in us, prayer, and obedience. Now that is word-directed, spirit-led, and empowered obedience. We don't do any of this because we can do nothing apart from him. But it doesn't change that that's how we abide in Christ. Two things we need to notice. First, we do not produce fruit. We bear fruit. And those are two very different things. God, through Christ, through his spirit, and through his word, produces the fruit. We only bear the fruit. Just like a tree, right? The branch does not produce the fruit. If you cut the branch off from the tree, it will die. And the fruit on it Will either, if it's already started to bud, won't continue. Or if it's close to being ready, it will die. Because without the connection, really, to the root, there's nothing there. So the tree, Jesus, is the true vine. God is the cultivator of that. That is how fruit is produced. We are the branches. We bear the fruit that he produces in our lives. So that's the first thing we have to remember. We we just can't do it on our own. Second, we must abide in him. The word abide is meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to stay in a given place, to stay in a specific state, to stay in relation to or expectancy, to continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, and tarry. It means to abide. Abiding in Christ is to have every aspect of our lives in him. This goes back to the integrated wholeness we were talking about last week. Every aspect of our lives in him. When you go to work, you go to work for the glory of God. When you come home and you're spending time with your family or your friends or watching TV, you do that. To the glory of God. If you have a hobby and you like to go out hiking or fishing or or playing pickleball, it has to come up every week. It's a sickness, really. Pray for me. It doesn't matter. You should be doing it for the glory of God. All of it. That's abiding. And when His Word abides in us and we pray without ceasing and we obey His commands, that's what it's going to look like, isn't it? So what, bless you, what does good or bad fruit look like? You ever bit into a piece of fruit that looked good on the outside? Anybody? I've done it. And, and it, sometimes, right, you pick it up, right? You Oh, I feel like an apple. You go into the fridge, we keep our apples in the fridge, and you take it out and you... Oh, But if it looks okay on the outside, and you bite into it, and there's a rotten spot on, oh, it's disgusting! It's like eating Brussels sprouts. But at least with Brussels sprouts, you know what you're getting into. They're not fruit. They're not fruit. No, they're they're not food. Right. Right. They're not food. And if I'm offending you because you love Brussels sprouts. I'm sorry. I'm really not. But I'm sorry that it offends you. It's kind of like the fake pops. It looks good on the outside. It's gross on the inside. And it's really clear because the Bible teaches us in more than one place, we're only going to look at one, the difference between good fruit and bad. So If you still have your Bible, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and then Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then my favorite section of books, Gentiles Eat Pork Chops, or Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Almost there. Getting closer, there it is. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. So if we walk in the Spirit, which is just another way of saying if we abide in Christ— then we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, we're not going to spend a long time there because I think we've already addressed that. But one thing I do want you to notice is this battle that rages on. Now, we certainly have an enemy. We are constantly in a spiritual warfare, but something we don't always pay attention to is the fact that sometimes it's not the devil who made you do it. Sometimes it's not even an outside temptation. Sometimes it's It's just you, your flesh, your, right? James says that we give in to temptation when we are either drawn away by our own desires or enticed. Now, enticement comes from the outside, but sometimes we're just dumb and we go after something that we know we shouldn't. We put ourselves in a situation that we know we shouldn't. That's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. It's the battle between my sinful nature and the work of God's spirit and word inside of me. Now, I would love to say I always win that battle. Bless you. Or the spirit of God always wins that battle in me. But sometimes I'm dumb. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't. Say things I shouldn't. Think things I shouldn't. We all do. If you don't, let me know. I would like to learn from you. But I'm pretty sure if you came up to me and told me, yeah, I don't sin. <laughs> pretty sure that conversation's not going to go well for you. Because we all sin. And sometimes we do that and we find ourselves doing the things that we don't want to do. Paul goes into that in detail in Romans chapter 7. If you weren't with us when we went through the book of Romans, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message from Romans 7. It will explain that a lot better than we have time for right now. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes we will find ourselves doing things we don't want to do. Literally, I've done this where I'm like, this is stupid. Right? You like wake up in the middle of it and go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to think this. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to lose my temper this way or whatever it might be. So the works of the flesh are evident. That word evident is like the word fruit. Right? It's seen. Adultery. A married person having sex with someone other than their spouse or a single person having sex with a married person or however you look at it. If you're married, you only get to have sex with one person. And that's your spouse, period. Now, then you get to fornication, because we don't want to leave unmarried people out, right? Any sexual activity outside of a marriage between one man and one woman. And that word literally includes any sexual activity outside of marriage. It's actually where we get our word pornography. It's pornea in the Greek. And it is lustful looks. It is lustful thoughts. All of it is sin. Jesus compared lust with adultery in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard that it is written that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in her heart, you have already committed adultery with her in in your heart. He makes the same comparison with murder and hatred. Oh, I've never murdered anybody. Have you ever hated anybody? Do you hate anybody right now? I have. I've hated people. I don't think I hate anybody right now. Please, if I do, forgive me. I don't think I hate anybody right now. If I thought long and hard about it, there's some people I'm not very fond of right now, but I don't think I hate anybody right now. But it doesn't change that there have been times where I have hated people. I have hated people to the point that I had murder in my heart. I was like, I really hope I don't see that person in a dark alley somewhere. Because if I do, I might do something I regret. So fornication, any sexual activity, uncleanness, I like this one, moral impurity, man, that is about the broadest term that you could apply to the works of the flesh. What is moral impurity? Well, it's doing anything that's immoral, anything. Lewdness, filthy behavior, idolatry, which is putting anything else above God, sorcery. I like this one, right? And when Harry Potter came out, all the Christians turned to this passage. See? 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 The word in Greek is pharmakia. And what it means is the abuse of substances. It's the abuse of substances. Now, that may be, I'm not telling you if you're on a prescription medication, you shouldn't take it. I have several. I take them every day. Um, But it's the abuse of that substance. Whether it's prescription or non prescription The abuse of that substance. Hatred. We know what hatred is. Contentions. This is causing strife or division. You ever met those people? You ever been that person? Where you just go out and you want to cause, oh, you know, backbiting and gossiping and, oh, well, I really wish you wouldn't talk to so-and-so because they're this, that, and the other thing. Causing division. Jealousies. Desire for what is not ours or envy of what others have. Oh, it is so destructive. Comparison is the death of anything good. Comparison is the death of anything good. I promise you, I have a good marriage, I think. She's snickering over there. Um... (laughs) But what if I started comparing our marriage to somebody else's? Now, there would be times where I could compare our marriage to somebody else's and go, yeah, we're better than them. <laughs> right? But there may be other times when I compare our marriage to somebody else. And, oh, well, theirs is better than ours. Oh, maybe they communicate a little bit better. Or, or maybe they, they go on fancier vacations. Or, or maybe their kids are more well-behaved than mine. Now, that would be hard to do. My kids are pretty awesome. But the moment you start, oh, I just really wish my life looked like that. Oh, you're in so much trouble. And then what's going to happen is you're going to hate or despise or be angry about what you do have. Outbursts of wrath, which is a demonstration of fierce anger. Selfish ambition putting what I want above what God wants or what is best for others. Selfish ambition. Dissensions, which is division. Heresies, false teaching or a belief that is contrary to scripture. Envy, this is like jealousy, but having ill will toward the other person. So it's not just looking at somebody else and going, oh, I wish what they had, I had what they had. Oh, I wish my marriage looked like their marriage, or I wish my life was like theirs, or I wish my house was decorated the way their house is. No, it's going, oh, well, they've got a nicer house than me. I hope they die. <laughs> I know that's a little bit of an extreme example used for comedic effect. But you see someone walking down the street. Okay, I never get dre- jealous of how people dress. You guys know what I look like when I'm not at church. This is as nice as it gets. Um, so I never get jealous of people like that. But every now and then, uh, do you guys remember, this was a couple of years ago when all the Ferraris came to town? Right, and there were like 12 Ferraris parked on Main Street. And I'm walking by going actually so this is what it looked like for me because I didn't oh I really wish I had a Ferrari what it looks like for me is judgment oh who would be stupid enough to spend that kind of money on a car like that if I had that kind of money I would never buy that car yes I would (laughs) no doubt about it yes I would I would have a Ferrari and I would have a lot of speeding tickets to prove it um but that's what it looks like now I didn't wish for any of them to die um but it can get to that point, can it? People get that way. Murder. Like we talked about, this includes hatred according to Jesus in Matthew 5, but it also includes killing somebody. Right? Don't do that. If you kill somebody because of murder, not because you're defending your home or because you're in a conflict of some sort, war, whatnot, that's different. But if you just like, I don't like that person, I'm going to sneak into their house and get all stabby in the middle of the night. Pretty sure you're not walking with the Lord at that point. Just throwing that out there. Right, then we have drunkenness, that's intoxication with alcohol, revelries, and the like. I like the definition here of revelry. It means to revel, to carouse, to party, or to riot. Anybody here taking part in a riot? You had an opportunity a few years ago. They were everywhere. Don't do that. It's a work of the flesh. But then we get to the other side of it. That's bad fruit. That's what bad fruit looks like. Now we get to the good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, everybody likes to say there are nine fruits of the Spirit. There are not. There is one fruit of the Spirit love. That's why in Greek, and when they bring it forth to English, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, right? When you go back up, it says the works of the flesh are evident and gives you a list, but the fruit singular of the spirit is love. And the word there in Greek is agape. It's not just love, but unconditional love. And Paul told us in Romans in Romans, I want to say it's 12, it might be 14. But Paul told us in Roman, in Roman, in the book of Romans that love is the fulfillment of the law. Love. Unconditional love. Now how does unconditional love show up in our lives? Well, it shows up first as joy. Calm, delight, and gladness. Now we live in a happiness culture. Oh, you know, our Constitution says that we have the right to pursue happiness. We do have the right to pursue happiness, but happiness is temporary. Happiness is situational. What if you did buy that Ferrari? You'd be pretty happy. Until you saw somebody driving by in a Lamborghini. Happiness is temporary. I always use coffee as an example for this illustration. Coffee makes me happy. It really does. It probably shouldn't, but it really does. But a bad thing happens at the bottom of every cup of coffee. Eventually, it goes away. It's just like the cupcake. The first bite of the cupcake is wonderful, but eventually it's gone, and you're just filled with regret and shame because you ate the whole box. Joy is different. It is calm, delight, and gladness, and it comes from God. It can't be taken away because he is the source. Peace. We sang that song, Peace Be Still. And I love the word in Greek because it's my wife's middle name, and it's my wife's grandma's name, and it's Hannah's middle name. In Greek, it's Irene. Now, in Greek, it would start with an E, E -E E-I-R-E-N-E, but peace means quietness, Rest, and to be set at one again. So the opposite of peace, anxiety, and fear, it tears us apart. Peace, the peace that comes from God, puts us back together. Long-suffering, which means patience, or fortitude, which is a fancy way of saying endurance. Kindness, what is useful and excellent Toward others. What is useful and excellent towards others. Well, how can you show kindness to your neighbor? Can you do something that's useful for your neighbor? Can you do something that's excellent for your neighbor? Of course you can. Even if you don't want to. Goodness, kind of like kindness, but this is what is virtuous and beneficial. Faithfulness which does mean to rely on Christ for salvation, but it also means to live a life of fidelity or trustworthiness as a result. When, the, uh, when God is working in you, you do what you say you're going to do. And you don't do what you say you won't do. It's that simple. Sounds easy, doesn't it? We all know better. It's not really easy. Gentleness, mildness, or humility... And then self-control, temperance, or mastery. See, self-control is you can buy the cupcakes, but you only eat one at a time. Your mouth is only so big. (laughs) Self-control. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, It's, it's pretty easy to define it. And what's coming out of our lives will be evident as we get to the conclusion. We do not want to be blind, nor do we want to be led by the blind, because we have to conclude last week again. We do not want, or sorry, we do want to be more like our Savior and Master, and His Spirit will transform and conform us into His image, which will result in us having spirit led lives like His. We do not want to be hypocrites. And so we seek God to remove the log from our, our eyes so that we can help our brothers and sisters with the speck in theirs. Now, all of this is the fruit or evidence in our lives that we are followers of Jesus. This evidence comes to fruition in our lives as we abide in Christ, which we do by having his word abide in us, by prayer and by obedience, which, as I mentioned before, We will look at more next week. So I'm going to close with a couple questions because i really like to do this to all of us for some reason. First and most important question, is there anybody here, anybody listening online, anybody who may hear this recording at a later time who has not come to know Christ as Savior so that he can do this work in your life? If that's the case, go to our website newsongunnison.net leave a comment on facebook wherever it is you see this or hear this get in touch with us we would love to introduce you to the one who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave so that you could be saved second last week it just died didn't it yep. just the microphone hello it had a full battery when i started fruit, right? That was the, the kale pop right there, Whatever the Brussels pop. I thought it had a full battery. Last week, I challenged everybody who was here to take a look into the honest mirror. To look into the Word, to ask the Spirit to give you some self-reflection, or maybe ask somebody else if there's something that you need to work on. Now, I promise if you ask God to show you that, He will show you. If you go into the word looking for it, it'll be there. And if you say, yeah, I've been reading the Bible and I've been asking God to show me and I just can't find anything wrong with me, come talk to me. I'll help you out with that. No, you're all perfect in my eyes. Uh, everybody but John. He looked at me. He just looked at me. It's your fault. If somebody else had looked at me, it would have been them. No, it wouldn't have. I still would have picked on John. Right? Because none of us are perfect. And sometimes we have blind spots to that. But we talked about that last week. Um, so I'm just asking, how did that go this week? Don't answer out loud. And if you didn't do it, well, do it this week. Or every day, week, month, year for the rest of your life, because we're always going to need to grow. Finally, and this, boy, oh, I hate this question. Just so you know, I hate this question. But God made me. Is there clearly identifiable fruit in your life? And what kind of fruit is it? Is that fruit hatred, envy, wrath, selfishness, division, anything like that? Is that what the world sees from you or I? Or is that fruit love? Characterized by joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, You know me. I'm not here to put you on some kind of guilt trip or make you feel shame or anything of the sort. That's not my place. And there will be times we will all fail. I try to walk with the Spirit every day. I try to obey the Word every day. And some days I fail. And I'm still loved. And I'm still forgiven. I may need to confess. I may need to apologize. But I'm still loved and I'm still forgiven. And so are you. It doesn't change that God wants us to look like his son. And there will be evidence in our lives of that. And so if there's not, you might want to take some time to figure out why. It's good for you, and it's good for the people around you. So with that being said, let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you, first and foremost, that of all the times I've done something stupid, that you still love and forgive me. And I pray, Lord, that there would never be a time that I would be so stupid as to do something stupid and not come back to you. I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness at work in our lives. And I thank you, Father, that you want to work in each and every one of our lives and help us by producing fruit in our lives that tells the world we belong to you. I pray, God, that you would just give us wisdom and guidance. Lord, if there's a blind spot in my life, Help me to see it. Give somebody else wisdom and discernment to point it out if they need to. Because, Father, every day, all I want to do is bring you glory. If there's something in my life that's hindering that, I want it gone. And I am sure that my brothers and sisters listening would agree with that. And so, Father, I pray for your continued work in our lives, for your continued work in our church, and that as we continue to grow in you, we would be able to let our lights shine for the world to see, to bring you glory. In Jesus' name.